We're starting a new series this morning called Determining, and today is part one of Determining the Will of God. It's a short series about four weeks long, and I have so looked forward to sharing this series with you. Uh, what was wrong with that approach to discovering the will of God? There, it's, it's just wrong on so many levels. Let me just mention a couple. One of them is methodology. Like, maybe there's a better way to discern the will of God than whether or not I make this shot. And the truth is, we could all be misled by that in many different ways. Some of you who can't shoot a basketball. Did you get that? Some of you who can't. It's like, you may miss the will of God. And when your shot is as perfect as mine has always been, no yokes, no amens or anything. When your shot is perfect, you may think everything's the will of God. It's like there's a major methodology issue there. And there certainly is a theology issue. Like somehow God is way above us, so distant from us, that we have no way of knowing what his will is. And he's up there, must be playing hide and seek with us to get us to discover his will. It's almost a mindset that we have, though we wouldn't verbalize it this way. It's almost a mindset that says, those bunch of dummies down there, they just have no idea what my will is, and I don't think they'll ever get it. Do you think that's good theology? Oh, I think my father up above loves me far more than to try to hide his will from me as he sits on his throne above. So there's a methodological and a theological problem both with that whole approach. Well, the truth is we do have a lot of decisions that we have to make on a daily basis, right? There are things we have to determine all the time. Here's one. <laughs> do you understand what the hard drive of your computer has to go through every time you see one of those? It's like, when did it turn yellow? How long will it stay yellow? If I go ahead and follow my major philosophy, hurry through, it's about to turn red. Will that all-seeing eye that's above that yellow light you see on the image in front of you, will it flash and take a picture of my friend's car that I borrowed? <laughs> And do I care? <laughs> and then the number one question is, where's the nearest cop? Can I get through it? And if it's more than hot pink, will I make it through without the red lights coming on? And then the final question for every pastor, are there any church members around looking? <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Man, that's a lot to go through your head in about eight seconds, right? I have to determine things every day. Here's another one. Oh, don't go aww. <laughs> Girls start at two and a half years of age picking out their guy. And us guys have to live with whoever picks us out, right? And I don't want to take that any further. They start making this decision and dreaming about making this decision very, very early in life. Here's another one. 
What do I wear for an interview? Is that guy on your far right in a world of trouble? First of all, he has a tie on. Second of all, his pants are high water. <laughs> the first question at the interview should be, where did you park your ark? <laughs> that kind of thing's going on. Big decision, what to wear at an interview. Well, there's all kinds of, uh, there's a, a difficult decision that many in the serious moments, uh, there's a difficult decision that many have to make in our economic culture. What bill do I pay first and what do I leave unpaid? It's like the bottom line is how long can I go without food if I'm a responsible person and pay my bills first? There are those, we were just talking about it at our house this week, there are those who live in sections of the country where many of the older people live and even in every section there are few who have to answer the question, do I buy medicine or do I buy food this week, which? And that's a difficult spot to be in and a tough determination to make, truthfully. Well, there's all kinds of help out there. I've just come to say, don't listen to this guy. Are you reading it? The title of his book, When You Come to the Fork in the Road, Take It. Oh, left or right, yes. What kind of answer is that? Makes sense if you don't think about a kind of answer? You understand what we're trying to get at here now. We live in a world that wants to tell you what to determine, what to think, what choices to make, what to do. And yet they have no idea how to determine what would honor the Lord, what would please Him, what direction to take, which way to go. And that is at the heart of this series. I believe one of the most needed series in uh, studying the Word of God that God's people need in this hour and day. How do I determine, how do I discern the will of God? I want you to take just a moment and look at the image in the background of this picture that's in front of you. Think in the lower right-hand corner, think new birth. Right where that road appears is the moment I began my path, my journey with the Lord God of heaven and earth. The day he brought me to himself. Remember that day? What a path, what a thrill to know him and walk with him. And by the way, friend, if you have no idea what we're talking about, about new birth, man, don't leave here today without talking to us. We want to tell you how to get on this path, the most enjoyable path that could possibly be lived in this life. The day God met us and we met him and came to him. Way up, it's faint, but way up in the north, what direction is that? West corner. See it? kind of faint, a little line where the road is taking you, but it's so distant, it's almost invisible. Now, back up. Oh, by the way, that's the departure day. That's the day when life is over for us. When we've been on this journey with the Lord Jesus and he calls us home. 
Now I'm ready for the upper taker, not the undertaker, right? Come on. Take us home, Lord. Return. We sang about that. But it's faint. It's in the distance. Nobody knows where that's taking us. We know ultimately where it ends up, but it's not something we see easily today. But before you get to that departure date when God calls you home, there are all kinds of forks in that image where the path divides. And the question is asked, do I take the left or the right? And how do I know which one to take? How do I determine that? That's what this series is about. Now, wait a minute. I want to teach you something really great, and then I'll point it out through this week, part one, and next week, part two, the answer to it. But I want you to see that whichever you take at any time there's a fork, they all still end up tied together to that path, that plan, that direction that God has for his church and his people that starts at the new birth and ends in heaven. And I'm not trying to minimize the importance of the decisions we make when we get to the fork in the road, but I am trying to get you to see this, my beloved. Get this. Sometimes we get so exercised about which way to go that we forget God is so sovereignly large and in charge that in the end it doesn't make as much difference as we think it would which direction we go. God still is in charge and lovingly bringing us to the path that he has planned for us. Isn't that relieving? Well, three of you feel better about that now. I hope it is. I want to introduce you to our friends Frank and Judy Kohler. We've known them for 35 years, and over the years, they've come to a lot of forks in the road, one of which is whether or not to stay friends with Larry and Elaine. Would you believe for 35 years they still love Elaine? That's, that's kind of a shock to us. But I asked Frank if he'd just uh, take a minute and share with us here a story about a fork in the road and how God brought him to where he is today. Would you listen to this story? Welcome Frank Kohler as he comes to share. Church from Kentwood, Michigan. Do you know how many times I've heard that? We used to go out to Word of Life in New York with our teams involved students in Kentwood, Michigan. Heritage, they just won everything. <laughs> so it's a real honor to be here and uh, don't ever give up. Keep going. Well, Pastor's right about determining the will of God. All the roads for the person that's trusted Christ as their Savior is going to end up in the right spot. But let me tell you, and this is experience, some of those forks in the road you won't want to take. Even though the Lord will walk you through them, 
want to go there. The people you're going to meet there are not the best ones for you. They're going to take you down another road that you don't want to go. And we all know that that causes hardships in life. Determining the will of God. I, I've simplified it to the point you all drive cars. You all drive across railroad tracks. I think determining the will of God is a lot like coming to a railroad track. If you were in a bus, and that's kind of the way I look at my Christian life, the journey, I'm not alone in this journey. I'm, I'm with my church family. We're in a bus. And when that comes to a stop sign, when it comes to a railroad crossing, the first thing it does is stop. When you come to that spot where, well, you have to get on the other side of it, to make the wrong decision could be very bad for you. It could be that fork in the road you don't want to go on. You need to stop, and you need to pray, and you need to look, and you need to listen. You need to stop and pray because you had at some point have to depend on God to lead you. He's capable of that. He wants to do that. And as I look back in my life, every fork in the road that I ever came to, looking back, it's easy for me to see, oh, God was there. And he was making his will perfectly clear. But so many times I just couldn't see it because I didn't stop and pray and look and listen. Look around you. Look, look at what's happening in your life. That's, it's critical. Listen. Listen. There's always input coming into our lives from the word of God, from our pastor, from our friends, from our neighbors, from all those people that are around us. And if you will stop, pray, look, and listen, you will see very clearly that God is leading you. He's making his will for you just as clear as the nose on your face. A personal experience of this. My family and I were in between churches. We had just recently moved and uh, we were looking for a new church home. And I don't know how many of you have ever done this, but probably a number of you have. And it's depressing not having a church home. It's, it's discouraging. It's, I need my church family. And we were without a church home at the time. We were looking for one, and uh, we wanted to serve. We wanted to be able to plug into a church, and so we were visiting a number of churches, and I just thought, wow, there must be really something wrong with me because I don't like any of them. I had a good friend if I would have been listening, but I wasn't. He says, why don't you come to my church? You'll love it. I had already made up my mind I wasn't going there because it was too far away. 
So, you know, I just kind of ruled that out. But he was always there and he was always inviting me and uh, like I said, I had made up my mind. Well, I'm not going there, it's too far. And I got further depressed. I got frustrated even more. I missed a church home because it was important to me. And then one day, get a call on the telephone. It was Pastor Chu. He knew I was looking for a church home, but he didn't invite me to come to church. I thought that was kind of funny. But he did say, Frank, I'm praying for you because I know how of an important decision this is for you. And it was at that moment when I listened and I heard that for the first time, I knew God was leading me. My heart melted. I thought, he didn't invite me to his church because he wants me to come to his church. He said he was praying for me. So I went and I loved it. And I've really been there ever since. And my love for him increased over the years as we fished together. We fished for men together. We worked together. And it just got stronger and stronger, our relationship together. And we grew up together. His children grew up, went off to college, off to ministry. My children grew up, went off to college, went into ministry. I have three sons. All three of them are pastors today. And I cannot tell you the impact that Pastor Judas had on them. He mentored every one of them in church life. And they've all said the same thing. He taught us things that we didn't learn in college. And they still seek his advice. He still is in the process of mentoring them. Now, it's easy for me now to look back on that. But had I stopped to pray and I looked around and I listened, I would have seen very clearly God leading me to Pastor Chute's church. And the impact that it's had on not only myself, but my family. I can't tell you. I could have chosen another why in the road. And I am so thankful to God that he made his will known to me. And my challenge to you because you too will come to forks in the road. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Many times when God's will is made known to us, it means a change in direction for us. And changing direction is not always the easiest thing to do. But it's necessary because God's ways are above us.
So stop. Stop what you're doing for a moment and pray about it. And look around and see how your life is going. And listen to the people that God has placed in your life to show you the way. It's amazing. Our God is a great God. And I praise him. Pretty good wisdom from an old guy, huh? Who looks older, him or me? Not many years after they had come to our church, he had become, or he had retired. Uh, Frank had retired from Caterpillar in central Illinois, and he became an associate pastor at the church. And uh, Elaine and I went back to that church for a second time, and he had become the associate pastor, and we got the privilege of serving our Lord together. And in serving him, we came to a lot of those forks in the road. You understand why we're such close friends, the wisdom God's given him in discerning which way to go. Such a huge help to us in ministry, both he and his bride. Let me uh, pick it up there with the foundational verse for determining will of God. You know it. It's not a new one. It's a familiar one to you. Psalm 119 verse 5. It's on the screen right now. Let's read this together. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What's a lamp and light? Your word. What is the foundational guide in determining life's issues when you come to those forts? The Word of God. Hear it carefully. The Word is a lamp. That comes from a word that means to glisten, and when I think of that word, it, it brings to mind the stars of, hev- of the heavens. It's not the light that the sun is, or even the moon, But it is a light that is there, and you see it as it glistens. And if you can almost take that glistening and put it down at foot level, this verse says that's what the Word of God is for you. It is a glistening guide for your feet. Feet, you're looking down. You're looking for your next step. Elaine and I try to walk two miles as many days as we can per week. That's why we're the specimen of health that we are. And every once in a while, the older we get, the, the uh, thing we've noticed is, instead of looking up at where we're going, we're looking down. Because there might be a pebble that would trip us. Or a crack in the sidewalk. And we're looking down, wanting to see next step. That's the idea here. Look down and look at next step and let the word of God glisten. That is to say, create enough of a light so that you know the next step is not going to trip you up. And then it adds this concept. That word is not only a glistening sparkle that enlightens next step, but it is a light. And this is a different word that carries the whole idea of a 
illuminating factor that goes far beyond the next step. It shows you as far as the eye can see. The word is a light unto, not my feet now, but my path. The broad direction that God is heading me toward. And what lightens, illuminates that big picture, long-term trajectory of my life? The answer is, of course, the Word of God. So you get it here, right? How on earth do we determine the will of God apart from the Word of God? It cannot be done. It must be driven by the book. So since this is just part one and truthfully a general introduction to this whole subject, I'm going to fly through two concepts with you. The first is this. The Bible opens and closes with the will of God articulated. You don't go far in the book of Genesis, the second chapter. God has created man, and in his first conversation with man, he says, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. That's the will of God. For man that he created. Then the book closes. The book called the Bible closes in Revelation 22. With blessed is the man who keeps the words of this prophecy. The will of God is that we keep. That we obey. That we let the word guide us. So it opens and closes with the will of God. Now, with it and all that's in between, we'll talk about that more in just a second. With it and all between, my beloved, please get this. There are really just two wills of God. And I want you to see them. There are theological terms for them, but I've told you, every seminary graduate needs to lose those terms and go teach children's church so that they understand them. It goes like this. There is the planned will of God. And there is the commanded will of God. Can I take a minute and break that down with you? Are you excited? You ready? Check your neighbor. Here we go. The planned will of God. This is the big picture stuff. This is... I have a plan for you. When you come in on this image in the southeast corner, when you become mine and I become yours and we have this forever connection, I got a big picture plan for you. There's a trajectory for your life that only you can walk. And I, your loving Father, want to move you toward my plan. He had a plan for his son, didn't he? A plan that the evil one tried to interrupt. Do you remember it? I'm going to Calvary. And Peter said, be it far from you, Lord. And the Lord's response was, get thee behind me, Peter. Come on, i got to know you're here. Absolutely not. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's his plan, to interrupt the plan of God. But Christ, we are Christians following his pattern. Christ spun on his heels, looked at Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. What did he realize? 
God has a plan, and I'm headed toward that plan, and I will let nothing or no one detour me from the plan. In all of his ministry and life, he had all kinds of forks in the road that could have taken him further and further away from the plan. Instead, he modeled for us how to know the plan of God for my life and stay focused on it. It's paramount. It is what I must do. No one else can detour me from it. What was God's plan for him? He knew what it was when he said, my meat, my food, that which energizes me and keeps me functioning with power is to do the will of him who sent me. What is that will? He knew it. He often said throughout the Gospels, I must go up to Jerusalem. Why are you headed to Jerusalem? What are you going there for? I must do the will of him who sent me. You get a church, this big plan that God had for Jesus. He kept his eye on it. And this was the plan. That you die. That you be buried, my son. That you rise again. And that you ascend on Beautiful plan. He kept his eyes on it. Go back to the southeast corner. God brought you into a relationship with him. Now the great big goal is to determine the trajectory he has for your life and let nothing keep you from it. That's the planned will of God. There's a commanded will of God. And that commanded will is very simply articulated in his book time and time again in so many different ways. It's a commandment given. A commandment that shouts out loudly and clearly there's no mistake about which fork to take here. Because this one doesn't end up in a good place. If you don't go there... And take the fork to the right, the one to the left, leads you far from me. And there are times when that's what the forks are. I get it. Follow this plan, this command, this next step that you have to determine. I have some commands that are to guide it. Let me give you one, young people. They look so awake. They're always so ready to hear their old pastor. You ready? Ready for a plan? Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Pretty simple command. Pretty direct. Leaves no room for doubt. There is no other option. You can't bear left or bear right. You must follow that path. <laughs> when making a choice for a mate for Christ, don't marry an unbeliever. God has so many helpful 
directives in that. And I wish I had time to park there for longer time because I know a lot about the grace of God when we get off the path and don't obey his commands. He's full of grace. Right, church? Welcome to the family of forgiven. What does that mean? That means we got off the path and he called us back. And by his grace, he brought us back. The point is, God gives commands that are very clear and that order our steps. So there is this big plan and there is this commanded step that God calls us to. Every single command in the Bible boils down to one of those two categories of God's will. Now I want to give you the second principle real quickly and that's this. Between the opening command of Scripture and that closing command of Scripture, the Bible clarifies in so many ways the will of God for you and me. And I just have time to touch on these. So you ready? Rapid fire. There are a number of words, actually three words that are commonly used in the Old Testament for unveiling the will of God. And they are three words that are also in Greek form in the New Testament. I won't bore you with those differences in words, but I'll give you the definitions. The first word often used to define the scriptures which reveal the will of God between Genesis and Revelation is this, commandments. Commandments typically throughout the scriptures are not what we think they are. They are principles, not specific instructions. Now stay with me on this. I sure wish the Bible would give us more direction sometimes than it does. It gives us these broad principles to live by, but the important specific decisions, there's a whole lot of freedom in those. Now, let me give you one. When I was trying to decide whether to ask Elaine Davis to marry me, I started in Genesis 1 and read every book in the Bible till I completed it in Revelation 22. And her name was not there one time. Can you believe that? How on earth am I supposed to know whether God's will is? How am I to determine whether to marry this gal or not? Well, there are principles that go along with it. How about reading Proverbs 31? There is a woman that is worth her price. Rubies cannot pay for her value. A woman who loves God and who fears God and who pursues his will and who is unwilling to bend from that will. A woman who knows how to arrange her life under a weak, miserable head. Say amen, ladies. You were too willing to do that. Are you with me? you understand? 
There are principles that guide every single choice. And that's what commandments are. And very quickly, Jesus himself said all the commandments boil down to two principles. And in fact, really one. The first of the commandments, you know them, the Ten Commandments. The first of them talk about loving God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Thou shalt not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The last of the commandments talk about loving men. And those commandments are unmistakably clear. Love men, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet what your neighbor has and so on. You get it. It's loving God, loving man. That's what all the law, all the commandments hang on. They are the principle of love. And they boil down to that one. All commandments boil down to love. The greatest and supreme principle of all. Let that govern your life. Stop looking for God to always give you every detail for your next step. And start looking in the word for principles that help you grow and become a mature person. It is a baby that you have to prepare the food for. It's a baby you have to pick up the spoon and put the food in its mouth. It's a baby you have to put to bed at the right time. It's a baby that you have to clothe. You have to make every determination for the baby. God does not view you as a baby. When you have connection with him, he views you as a mature son in his own perfect son at his right hand. And he says to you, here's what pleases me, love. Now live your life by that principle. We like the commands because that's what babies like. Is that too harsh? Hello? God loves us to be mature sons and friends of his who are governed by his principles. Very quickly, statutes are parameters. They're boundary lines that are drawn. Every sports has a boundary line. Tennis, soccer, football, basketball, they all have boundary lines. You step across that line and you've committed a foul. God's word has all kinds of those. You are free to live within these parameters. Did you hear that? For some of our legalistic friends out there, we need to take this message out. You're free to live within the parameters God draws. God doesn't need our help in narrowing those parameters so that somebody else doesn't step across his. I hope you're with me on that. Give your church and the brethren and people who enter these doors freedom to live within the parameters God lays down in his word. And then lastly, there are judgments, the third word for scriptures in which you discover the will of God. And those are pronouncements. They could be pronouncements of judgment or condemnation. They can be judgments or pronouncements of reward or commendation. That's what our Lord offers to us. Now, your turn, and we're done. So, 
Would you try to hang on to three of these statements here as we walk through this series? I hope I've whet your appetite. The first is this. God's made his will perfectly clear in his word. Through the principles, the parameters, and the pronouncements that he declares. We don't need to have discussion about them. We don't need to have a committee meeting. We don't need to somehow try to ascertain what God clearly has unveiled. We just need to do the hard work of setting down, getting in the book. Every church I've pastored, I've tried to say again and again and again, and I'm trying to set up a situation for your next pastor that is just takes you to new levels for Christ. It's this. Whenever you come to me as a pastor and say, I know God's will for this church. This is what I believe we ought to do. And if you don't do it, it's absurd. It's like, what? Every time you come to me with that, every time you go to your next pastor with that, could I just say to you, have a verse ready. Hello? I love your opinion. It's probably better than mine. But there's one opinion, one direction, one will that we're all trying to find. And it's not the will of the older, the middle-aged, the younger, the children, or the babies. It's the mind and will of God. And the older, the younger, the children, the students, the babies are all to wrap their minds around these great divine principles. And we are free to function within those parameters. So please, please, discover the will of God and express the will of God from the word of God alone, not opinion. Is that a good counsel? Secondly, God's will is not a slave to mine. Do you know what the basketball battle really was when he was shooting? It was not a battle of whether he knew God's will or not. It was a battle of whether he could get God to agree with his will. It was a battle of the wills. Missed. Oh, God doesn't agree with my will. Well, let me try it again. Missed. Oh, God doesn't agree with my will. Better shoot again. Get the ladder out, whatever it takes. Dunk that basketball. Get God to agree with me. The will of God for us, determining the will of God for us, really, bottom line, is a battle of wills. His will, which is not hard to discover, we just think it is, and our own will, the hardest thing is to surrender mine to him. Hope you're with me. God's word is where I find his will. And his word does not have to agree with my thinking. And here's the third thing. There is freedom within the parameters of the word of God. Hello? That is a real good place for a yo, Larry. There's freedom. Freedom. Free. 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 I love that word, don't you? 
You are free to take whichever fork you choose to take as long as it doesn't violate the parameters. And because you take the right and I take the left doesn't make me right and you wrong or you right and me wrong. It's free within the parameters of the word. My friend, if you have no idea what we're talking about, how to get connected with God to discern a clear, enjoyable, thrilling path for your life. Accept Christ as your Savior today and the work he did for you on the cross to bring you into the will of the Father. Just say, I believe in Christ to be my guide, to be my Savior, to pay the price for my self-will, and I give my life. Man, get on this path. Those, us, those of us who are on it need to grow a little bit in letting others have freedom within that will that God delineates as his own. Let's give that freedom to each other. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing just through one time. And as we do, your deacons are going to come forward, invite you to join them as they kneel here at the front. Those whom God is leading, please come and enjoy and join them. One of the things Elaine and I are excited about is the beginning of the end. You're starting soon the search for your next pastor. Don't you need a pastor who needs to be driven by the will and word of God? rather than the opinions that are around. Hello? You need that? Absolutely. So come join your deacons as every week now. They are coming to pray for your next pastor, that he'll be a man who discovers the will of God in the word of God alone. That's where you discover it for the church to give him the freedom to function within that will. I invite you to come make that your prayer. One other thing just before we sing. I know there are 500 different determinations you have to make. I don't know what the person next to you or even you, what decisions you're making right now. But I would ask you Tell God, give me a principle. Ask him, give me a principle to guide my choice. Help my will to be your will. Here's mine. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Tell God you want his will and ask him to open your mind and heart to it. If you want to come and kneel at the front with the pastors and just make a commitment to find the will of God in the Word of God, you come while together.